Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Air Combat Sim Podcast. This episode is going to be a bit different than uh, our typical batch that we've been doing. Uh, This is going to be our first and hopefully one of many uh, community takeover podcast. And uh, the idea here is we've invited some of the community at random via a drawing and uh, we're going to let them talk and I'm going to shut up for once. So hopefully it goes well. We'll see. If it doesn't, we won't have another one, or we will. Uh, we'll see. Okay, first up we have Boone. How you doing, Boone? What have you been up to? Doing good, man. Just uh, spending a lot of time with this COVID-19, getting some flight time in, and uh, really dove back into the A-10 a lot lately. It's been a lot of fun. Well, perfect, perfect timing, because I think that's going to be the topic of today, at least to start off with. Uh, we, we also have Baltic Dragon. Baltic, how you doing? What have you been up to? Hey, guys. I'm good, thanks. Um well, busy with Raven 1, it went into testing, so uh, I think I'm moving forward. And yeah, COVID, it has some benefits because I'm much more at home than I used to, so I have more time for those stuff, for DCS. Awesome. Yeah, I think the uh, the travel time alone that everybody has gained, if you're working from home, is probably very helpful. Next up, we have Dreadnought. How you doing, Dreadnought? What have you been up to? Doing well, thanks. You know, like a lot of the rest of the world, working from home, so spend a lot of time doing that and uh, flying with the Virtual Blue Angels, so we're spending a lot of time practicing for an upcoming show, so that's kind of keeping us busy. Sweet. Can't wait for that. That'll be fun. You guys you guys doing like, uh, we're, we're still doing the virtual series probably more than ever now, huh? Yeah, and uh, the, the new one coming up is one that hasn't been done before, calling it Wings Over Tbilisi, and uh, you know, that, that'll be a new one. I don't know if they'll do it again. Um, kind of hope so, because you know, seeing the community come together in, in any aspect is great. So it's it's fun to support anybody that's going to put an event together, and the VBA is is looking forward to doing it. So and, and of course the rest of the air shows throughout the year, like um, Van and VFAD and things of that nature. Awesome, man! Can't wait for it. That'll be cool. Uh, next we have Goat. Goat has been here before, but we like to have Goat on board. Thanks. Yeah, um, I've just been. Uh like everybody else been working from home doing a little bit more dcs and uh giving my kids some covid haircuts so oh no are those going well or or you just get the bowl out yeah i'm i think i would be better with the bowl given my wife's face after we're so time to practice <laughs> awesome well at least they don't have to go to school to show their friends right now right that's correct it's all all done for the year here awesome Next up, we have Gray Wolf. How you doing, Gray Wolf? Doing good, Jabbers. Good to be here and uh, looking forward to talking about the Warthog. Sweet. And uh, next, we have Mr. Assist. How you doing, Mr. Assist? Hey, guys. Um, I'm currently trying to wake up with a fresh cup of coffee, but I don't know if that's going to help. But I have been doing DCS before DCS is even known as a, a DCS. So I've been doing this shit for about 15 years. So hopefully it offers something, even though maybe not for a 10, because I am a, actually an F-15 rivet counter. I would call okay. myself that. Awesome. That'll be, uh, that'll be helpful if, uh, 
ED ever puts together a full fidelity one, huh? Don't give me help. Don't give me help. <laughs> awesome. And then uh, we have Snoopy. Snoopy, I invited on this one. He was not one of the random ones, but I invited him for his expertise in the A10. How you doing, Snoopy? I'm good, Jabbers. Uh, appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, thank you. And then last we have Teacup. How you doing, Teacup? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, just kind of hanging out at home, doing the work from home thing, um, playing a little bit of A10. I've been, uh, I'm kind of new to the sim world, uh, honestly. So you guys, uh, you know, be kind, be gentle. Hopefully I won't do anything and embarrass myself too much. Um, most of my experience um, in real life is on the A10, but back in the day, um, a couple of years back, a little a little uh, older than Snoopy, I think. But um, a lot of fun. Enjoying it. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, we're, we're glad to have all of you. And uh, I think you want to thank you all for, for showing up and uh, being part of this uh, first episode. So uh, I guess we'll, uh, I'm just going to kick it off and any one of you can jump in, but um, how did you all, how did you all start with the A10? What, what got you into the DCS world A10 um, and, and when, and, and how did you get into it and find out about it? So uh, this is Snoopy. Um... I'll I'll kick it off, I guess. Um, being a, an A10 guy for all of my active duty career and then my reserve career, I remember it was summer of 2010, I think. Just on Google, I saw some uh, of the the 3D models, external models uh, for what is now in DCS world, but A10C by itself back then. And then uh, come October, I bit the bullet in the uh, the beta, and I've been uh, hooked ever since. Awesome. Kind of the same thing for me. This is Teacup. I, you know, been out, I really haven't been on the computer um, too much with the sim world, um, but um, really started seeing some of the stuff on DCS online and loved the A10. I was an active duty guy as well. Worked on the A10, so for me, it was kind of a natural uh, thing to do. Honestly, I thought that uh, you know my my extensive experience uh, doing stuff on the A10 would make a huge difference, and the sim world didn't do anything for me. So. Um, but it's a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, Gray Wolf here. Uh, like the others got started uh, way back in in 2010, just kind of being a part of uh, Lock On for the years prior and even before that, Flanker 2.5, 2.0, and Flanker SE 27 before that. But uh, got really involved uh, with the community, especially uh, when the A10 came out, uh, because along with the A10 was uh, some of the first capability to do. Uh, sound files in the mission through the mission editor so there's a lot of creative uh, potential to to come along uh, after the a10 came out for especially the most immersive missions and especially with the a10 getting down in the mud and providing close air support there was some really incredible missions that were made and uh, made made myself a, a, a few of, of them uh, separate aggression series and just really dove into Doing a lot of voice uh, voiceovers for those missions as well, and uh, kind of later uh, lent my voice to DCS in several campaigns, training missions, and later on uh, uh, the voice of Heatler's Jester AI. So A10 has always been one of my favorites, and uh, a lot of mission fun potential and immersion. Hey, this is Dread here. I uh, have to admit I'm I'm a little bit new uh, to the A10, like. I've kind of dove into the last six months i'm a ground attack guy and it oddly enough just thought the a10 would be too much to learn because i knew it was probably the most complex aircraft in dcs and i've been doing so much formation flying i haven't really been involved in 
um, anything combat related for a long time. And uh, last year I had a buddy of mine that uh, is in the Air Force and invited me to go fly the uh, A-10 SIM and I didn't want to show up and uh, look like an idiot. So <laughs> I jumped into the A-10 uh, in DCS and was pretty much blown away with the complexity of it. And, um, you know, it's far more complex than anything I've ever been in or flown. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So I'm having a good time with it. Uh, this is Athena Boone. I got I got started in the A-10 a little bit differently than most of you. I was actually uh, got started in DCS about six months prior to the F-18 being released. So 2017-ish. And uh, I got was in the F-15 for about 30 seconds, and I realized I can't click any of the buttons. This is BS. And the group that I was flying with at the time was fi- primarily focusing on air-to-ground rules, and I thought, hey, why not? Nothing better than the A-10. And I wound up actually becoming like the FAC-A role as part of that group. So, so yeah, that's how I got started, a little bit different than most, it seems like. Mr. Um, Assist here. And then um, me, I started a little bit differently because I started a... a- a lock on for like in like 2005 because I always want to have the same that I can fly the F the F15 in. Uh, so when they first when they first uh first announced the A10C, I think like early like around 2010, 2011 things, uh, it was not a big hit for me at all because I am more of the air to air kind of guy, but I did check it out because one of my friends got it and then and then and then think that it was not for me at all. But then again, about roughly six to eight months eight months ago, I was kind of get bored with the with the whole air to air role a little bit, and decided to pick up the IT as uh, the item from there. And turn out it is actually a pretty fun thing to just kill shit on the ground. Dropping bomb is cool. I guess um I guess I'll just jump in. I <clears throat> so I never cared for the A ten C. Not so much just as an airplane, but in DCS, I was like, well, I like the air-to-air role, same same as you, Mr. Assist. And uh, the one thing that got me into it was watching um, Moltar actually stream back in the day. And he did this one pass, I remember on Blue Flag, where he dropped uh, four 38s, four GBU 38s, and also six Mavericks, all in one pass, and hit every single target and cleared out a FARP in one go by himself. And then a helicopter came in and, and took over the base. And I thought, well, I got to learn that now. So that's what got me into it. And, and that's actually pretty much all I can do with it. So what, um, what, about, uh, what about you, Baltic? You, you do a lot of A10C um, missions and, and campaigns. What, what's, uh, what got you started? Uh, my wife, she, she bought me a joystick and an A10 uh, game for Christmas at some point. It was a long time ago, I know, in 2000. 10, 11, I don't know when it got out, but just just then. And so I got sucked in DCS, and yeah, I got from that to where I am now. I'm doing, indeed, a lot of a lot of stuff with uh, A10, although recently I've been moving to other modules as well. But yeah, A10 is my first love, and I think it will stay like that uh, for a long time. So we have your wife to thank for all of the missions you've made for DCS. For so many things. <laughs> Awesome. I, I, that was a surprise. I did not expect to hear <laughs> no, that. Me neither. What about um, what about munitions? What's your favorite guy? What's your favorite munitions to use in the A10? Besides the gun, let's leave a gun out because I think everybody can agree the gun's fun as fuck. CBU nine to seven. I just gotta go with a uh, just the regular old Mark eighty two. Uh, I flew the uh, actual sim down at Moody Air Force Base uh, that our pilots use back in June. 
And uh, the squadron commander actually told me after uh, he just wanted someone to come play around and not ask about actual 30 degree dive bombs and what they use as references and, and all that. But yeah, the, the dumb munitions to me, that's just more fun. That is weird because I guess um, I am more of the um, more of the guy who like look for more thrill. So I would literally use the agency for the wild weasel role, and that means I will load up myself with two by two maverick and try to go in and just like, hey Sam, look at me. <laughs> well, pre harm for the uh, A ten, you know, or for the F eighteen, the A ten was one of the better seed platforms just because the uh, AGM six or the mavericks being able to have like what eight ish mile range for the laser mavericks so you could actually engage like sa the fun thing is like you would try to like fly literally uh, really about 200 feet agl and try to sneak in onto any sa10 site and that is like the most fun thing that you can do inside the a10 because your rwr is going to absolutely angry at you yeah between that and the automatic countermeasures just pumping out chaff and flare like constantly but yeah no it's flying at 200 feet pop up over a ridge using all the different sensors to slew all of your stuff to try and rip off two or three mavericks on a uh site is uh by far and away one of the most fun things to do in dcs when you get it right and not to mention one of the most complicated is <laughs> is what you just described but i'm like somebody mentioned before um i like dropping dumb bombs i just like the skill of trying to put one you know down a smokestack or through a door but uh can absolutely see the value in um, using the sensor ability um, to its fullest in the A10. The one thing that I really like want to do though is like um, I I really want to learn how to do loft bombing inside the A10. And you all know that the A10 doesn't have speed, and you need speed to do loft bombing. And I would definitely love to do some sort of loft bombing right down to a Sam to a Sam to a Sam site. That'd be fun, but I suck at it. That's interesting. I've never actually tried that in the A-10. I've done that in the F-14, and probably the only the F-14, but huh, that gives me something to do. It'd probably be easier to do with JDAM, just because once you get set that point, you just got to get close enough, and you can lob that sucker over a hill. It works pretty well. Okay, um, the other thing is, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you are just flying like at like 300 knots, so you don't have a lot of speed to work with. So, um, so love thing inside the A-10 is going to be hard, but I think it is doable. Is that something that's ever done in reality? Do we know? Um, it's definitely done in reality. I don't know necessarily in the A-10 platform, but the F-18 platform, it's experimented on quite a bit, but just because it's, it is significantly carry five 600 knots as compared to 300-ish. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely practice uh, as far as using combat in real life. It's, in the last 10, 15 years, it's not really been necessary because, you know, mainly the big thing you have to worry about is maybe a Zeus 23. But Yeah, I think that's something they used to do quite a bit more. Um, but with the advent of the smarter weapons and um, even you know, just the laser pods and that sort of thing, I think it, they got away from it a little bit back when, you know, back in the day, I think they did a bit more of that. Yeah, I can't re- recall them really, any of the pilots talking about doing it. I mean, my last deployment was basically flying circles until they were called, and then they drop a GBU-12, 38, uh, or a 54, and then an L-model Maverick every once in a while, but we didn't even carry any dumb munitions. Back in the day, my dad uh, flying A-4s was part of a team of guys that they sent off to China Lake um, to go practice loft bombing and 
didn't uh, exactly tell them why, but they was released a bunch of years later that they were practicing dropping um, small nuclear bombs. And apparently that's why the A4 had such long legs. But, you know, like the comment was made now with the smarter musicians, munitions, the uh, loft bombing just isn't, isn't as effective. And of course in the A10, it's so slow that, you know, with everything else the A10 can do, um, loft bombing is just not a viable option. I'd imagine the accuracy is a problem there too. I mean, you had guys back in the day using slide rules and calculators and these types of things. And, you know, we would dive at such and such an angle at such and such a speed, pull up at a very specific G load, drop at a specific altitude. And they, they, my dad would describe it as they would pull over and you roll over the top and, you know, go to full power and, and run away from it as fast as they could. And a couple of these guys were aeronautical engineers and very smart math guys. And uh, they all figured if they ever had to drop a nuke, they weren't going to run the blast, but, you know, just practiced anyway. What a crazy role to sign up for. <laughs> yeah. And these, you know, I think it's just a different generation. These are the type of guys that, you know, there were probably lines of people volunteering to go do that type of work. What, uh, what, if anything, would you, would you want DCS to implement on the A-10 that's not currently implemented? Uh, smart wingman. That would be my first <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say a, a second seat so somebody can tell me exactly what to do. So you're talking about a revamp radio system and an improved AI? Is that what you are ask, uh, asking for? No, I, th- I think he was referring more to what on the A-10 specifically. What do we want, right, Jabs? Yeah, d- yeah. I think Baltric was referring to just smarter AI wingmen in general. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I'm sure... That's probably a huge problem making campaigns is if your wingman doesn't do what you expected it to do as the builder, uh, you know, problems can ensue. Does the A-10 have a laser Maverick game yet? I'd say that if it's not. It does not at the moment. Please, Gib. I take uh, some more of the real world tab or tab, tad symbology, the, the display. I mean, we're starting to see it in the Viper and the Hornet, so maybe we'll see some of that in the... Uh, a10C2. That'd be pretty cool. I was just going to say, we get the Laser Mav and other platforms in DCS. It would be nice if it came over, right? Oh, Laser yeah. Mav would be nice. I think, as far as coming from the FAC A side of it for DCS, uh, getting the joint helmet or the Scorpion helmet would probably be the greatest thing. Just being able to fly along, see literally a SAM pop up out of the ground, slew my targeting pod to that, and then defend without ever having to look down and being. You know, all HOTAS commands is a pretty glorious thing. Yeah, if uh, what Nick talked about with his interview with the Grim Reapers makes it to the commercial release of A10C2, I think folks are going to be shocked on what the uh, HEMIX or helmet-mounted queuing system actually affords the pilot. I remember when we first started getting that uh, with Suite 7 Plus back in, I think it was 2013, 2012 time, uh, sitting around talking to some of my pilots and at the time, especially the older A-10 pilots that, you know, started on the A model was sensory overload, but it's such a huge tool uh, for them now. Does it, is it allow you to just look at where you want to target and the, and the targeting pod will slew itself to that location? Yeah, you can have that as your sensory point of interest. You're looking at something, mark it, slew the TGP. I mean, it's it's insane everything that it can do. It's so integrated. 
I would, guys, I would recommend, I think it was in the Afterburn podcast, there was one of the guests were from A10, A10 Pilot, and he, he was talking more about that system. It's incredible how it works. I'll, I'll maybe we'll check which one it is and, and put it in the uh, show notes. That'd be cool. Uh, for some of the folks that haven't listened to the Grim Reapers uh, interview, uh, were there, what were some of the other things that, have, that were mentioned that seemed interesting? For me, I don't remember him mentioning anything else about uh, the A10C2. Uh, he casually mentioned helmet queuing about how long you know he thought it would take to code or how long it does take to code. I can't remember exactly now. And then the question was asked at the end to kind of validate what he said. But uh, for me, I don't remember anything else specific to the A10 anyways. I'd imagine with all of the work on all of the other platforms, some of that stuff will trickle down, right? Because... You know, back when the A10 was developed for GCS, which was quite some years ago, I'm assuming I wasn't around for it, but um, we haven't seen much as far as progress or updates other than uh, cosmetic, right? Or has there been stuff added to it since it was initially released? Yeah, as far as I can remember, outside of the new 3D model cockpit, uh, it's been considered feature complete probably since late 2000, well, late 2010, or early 2011. But it's so long ago, I could be mixing up dates. Gray Wolf, you remember? Yeah, it took them quite some time, I think, uh, back then to implement some of the more advanced stuff like uh, JDAMs and, and and maybe some of the Mavericks, I think. But um, like any kind of current day uh, open beta aircraft or uh, pre-release aircraft, it, it took some time to get some of those weapons in. But um, <clears throat> sooner than later, they got in and the rest is history. Early access was not a thing back then, so you had to wait quite some while for any change to make it in. Uh, but then I guess I think re- recently that they uh, that they cracked the gun again. I think the gun now shoot a lot straighter, something like that. Uh yeah, that's right. They did. So they didn't doesn't shoot straighter, but they reduced the uh, the impact points from the bullets to be more tighter. This is like the the spread of the bullets. Yeah. Somebody had mentioned the laser mav is a additional um, munition. I think AP KWS rockets would also be um, a nice addition on that side of things. Those the light laser guided. That's correct. We have those in the Jeff now, which uh, the JF seventeen, right? They will never escape that nickname at all. Is that I will no. never refer to that thing. That's Jeff. for the rest of time. It's going to be called as do the Jeff for me. Uh, anyway. Um, do they re do they receive any new targeting part at all, or do they stuck with whatever they have let the world or whatever we have in DCS like today? I would much like to know that. So we used to carry the sniper pod at Moody, and a lot of the other A10 units did, but it was probably 2014, I think. Um, we shipped all those off, and we've just been carrying the lightning. Um, but obviously, it's a way more advanced version than what we've got in DCS. Uh, on our jets down at Moody since then. Currently in the A10, um, can you send TG, uh, TGP images through the message page? And I believe you can in the real aircraft. I just don't know if you can do it in DCS. I've never tried. No, you can't in DCS, but you're right. The new, uh, the real jet, you can. That's an interesting feature. Well, you just do that to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Yeah, basically. Exactly that. Another thing the real jet can do now is in the Dismiss for weapon profiles, it'll show the actual weapon sled. So what altitude you should be at coming in um, for a, say, 30-degree dive bomb. 
uh, what your aim off distance when you should be pickling. It, it's pretty sweet. It's do you think cool. it, Do you think any of that stuff detracts um, from like genuine pilotability? I mean, I know all these enhanced features are great, and the best thing about the A10 with probably the most effective HOTAS in aviation, you can do everything without keeping your eyes in the cockpit, right? Keeping your eyes outside is the best thing you can do. But how much of this advanced technology is is taking away from raw pilot ability? I mean, I don't know if it's any. I just thought I'd throw that question out there if anybody thought there was an effect. I think uh, that it's a very similar question I asked to uh, some of my pilots back when they first got Hemix. Um, because they do, there's so much information now, but really A-10 wise, uh, home station flying when we're not deployed, they are almost flying the same type of uh, profiles and training missions now as they did in the A model days. The only difference is they've got Hemix, they've got the targeting pod now, um, the weapon sled stuff that I was talking about in the uh, Dismas. Um, I mean, all it's doing is replacing the old paper knee boards that they had, and they can just see it on the MFCD. But imagine a lot of that is just backup too, right? You know, you have your backup, you have your ADI and then you have a backup ADI. And now you have, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And do all of my sensors say that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. And then even with like the weapon sled, when I was flying uh, the sim down at Moody a few months ago, uh, and I was asking um, one of our pilots, you know, hey, you know, kind of validating what I thought was used as references for like a 30 degree dive bomb. And they still fly to put your fist up on the canopy rail. And when it's basically at a certain point on your fist, you tip in. So they got all these fancy uh, avionics type things. But yet the A-10 community still trains to the, if I lose all these things, I can still drop dumb bombs, shoot the GAO-8 by using my fist or um, have them, you know, pointing um with my finger on the canopy rail, that's this certain angle. It, it's it's crazy. That's really cool. That's actually something I recently started trying to do. Um, I was watching uh, C.W. Lemoyne, I guess, uh, Mover, and he had a video about the F-16, and um, he was doing some some dive bombing, but waiting till he got to like a forty-five degree angle and rolling in, and where you're supposed to put, you know, the uh, flight path marker and all that stuff to to line everything up. I thought that was really cool. I'd never tried that stuff before in DCS and uh, been doing that a little bit here and there lately, and and uh, I'll have to learn that in the A10 too. Yeah, that's why I like the Mark 82 or dumb bombs more, just because there are. I mean, obviously we have the limit in DCS. We don't have a virtual hand to put up on the canopy rail, but you can still kind of go off markings that are on the the canopy rail to get kind of about okay. My top of my fist would be at this spot to tip in for 30 degrees. It's just trying to get all that mechanics down. And then even doing the safe escape maneuver at the end so you don't frag yourself. That's why I like all that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to hit you up for some, uh, some help there to figure all that out stuff. Because uh, my typical uh, roll-in is just push the nose over until the pipper lines up. <laughs> well, in virtual combat, that's what it ends up being. But on the range out in the, uh, the knitter, the Nevada test and training range, uh, that's where I try and do the more professional, appropriate stuff. Makes sense. I have a quick question on the uh, on the agent HUD. Um, do they ever has the uh, has the ability to project the IR feet onto the HUD, almost like the F-15E kind of thing? Nope. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> you can do that in the uh, do that in the Harrier with the flare. The Harrier yep. makes sense because it has. I mean, that camera is right on the nose, right? 
yeah, DMT sits right on the tip. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, because then again, I, um, I thought that uh, because the i ten is slow, but then again, they also fly low at, at night sometimes as well. And then I thought that would be something that they would try to put on, but I guess that's not doable. It's, it's definitely doable. I think the thing comes down to, is it really worth the cost of trying to develop something like that? And especially at the advent of guys wearing goggles at night, it's kind of become not really necessary. I mean, most of that stuff that was developed for being able to bring up a, a FLIR in the HUD, it was kind of before the advent of everyone wearing like Gen 3 goggles and stuff like that. Yeah, it was before goggles got really good because the old ones are not very good. Well, it's very similar to you know the, the two-seat A10 that was developed uh, and never went anywhere. The whole point of that was a night attack variant of the A10. And I mean, that's normal ops for us now. But some of our pilots, I think, are more comfortable flying at night. When, when are we getting that one in DCS? <laughs> at, yeah. <laughs> Weeks. I would much rather getting the A16. Do you know about that one? Yeah, no. but it lost. That, that, didn't, that and the A7 did a fly off, and they decided the A10 was... Uh, better back then because they were trying to kill the a10 before desert storm well they continue to but really were back then yeah but the, but, but then again that is the idea of putting that massive gun inside a pod mounted on mounted on and like something small as the f16 just funny what could go wrong no vibration issues whatsoever none and fall out and the fun fact about that one is like i have heard i have heard have not seen a picture, but they tried to mount three of those sucker on an F-15E. I don't know how that went. Look like a uh, look like an F-15 carrying three Volkswagens. <laughs> Probably just shook the wings off. We have enough. Uh, so my civilian capacity, I work uh, at the depot for the Air Force, and we overhaul F-15s. There's enough issues right now. That's why we may be getting F-15Xs to replace the old Cs and Ds. We don't need anything else causing even more uh, strain on the jet. Long live the Eagles. What? Uh, what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, anyway, back to the idea, to the idea I, I, I a little bit. Um, I have heard many, many times that people said that the A-10 that we have in DCS right now is underpowered. Did you think that they are going to give it a little, a little bit more power on the next one? Because again, that is something that I would definitely love to have. Personally, I think the only way that's going to happen is if the actual pilots out at DM that uh, that Nick and, and Wags have referenced actually come back and say they feel it's underpowered. Just, I mean, people have been saying that for so long and there's been no movement on it. So I, I kind of wonder with each aircraft in DCS, uh, there's some kind of hint of uh, nerf in that they don't want to completely give away its full potential. Well, we've heard Wags say that in an interview, right? That they don't do things 100% in some scenarios just to make sure that it's not exact. Makes me Am wonder if that speed, the speed of the A-10 is, is one of those. But uh, w- with that point, I- is there a point in DCS where there's a, a wavering line between what's real and what's fun? Um, and who makes that call? You know, because I know there's plenty of things that we do that, you know, <laughs> could be a little bit more fun at times. But uh, Lo- Load up... Uh, 10 uh, GBU-12s and PGAW, why not? <laughs> right? Yeah, things like that. You know, like some people take things to an extreme where not the aircraft don't always do what the real-world counterpart do, and people go a little bit too far with it sometimes, I think. 
I, I would say I'm 100% guilty of that. I, I try to push the extremes. The, weird, the weirdest thing that I have ever done inside the AZ-A10, and I, I, I am not kidding, I would load a full rocket pod, and I would go and try to use a rocket pod to shoot down like the bears. I'm not kidding. And they are fun as hell. Right, well, that's the beauty of DCS, right? Is just, you know, use DCS how you think is fun. Because there are some people that hate combat and do formation. There are people that love combat, and, you know, and vice versa or whatever you want to do. Some people just fly around and just enjoy the scenery. So, I mean, but I think it's good that it, it does have the ability so you, you can enjoy it as, as you want to. Yeah, that's kind of the, the, the great nature of the sandbox environment, right? You do what you want. You, I mean, there's so many people that formation fly. I hate formation. I hate formation flying when I'm going to do combat. It's it's aggravating to me. So, uh, but there's some people that like to just do that, and I think that's awesome. That was part of the reason I got the A10 was so I could stop flying so much formation and and start forward controlling. You definitely can't do it all the time because we do it a lot, and it it does get on you if you do it too much. And like lately, we've started flying the Yakfa. 52 in the backcountry we built a mission just to go do backcountry flying and you know taking off and landing on the top of mountaintops and doing stuff like that just to do something different because you do the same thing too much and it does get old so changing a topic a little bit do you guys mostly fly single or multiplayer with a10 for me it's pretty much straight uh multiplayer except when i'm uh, building missions for the 476 which is the virtual group i'm in multiplayer here except for mission building most of most of the most of the time multiplayer as well but i am currently trying to get through the campaign that you built project so trying to get through which means it's too difficult or that means i sucks at the at the i can just saying <laughs> all right there's also bugs so that's a different story yeah i'm currently only doing the single player stuff because i feel like i would completely get my ass handed to me if i tried to actually go do anything multiplayer with it but you know, maybe at some point I can feel confident in it to go do that and have some fun with it. So I was kind of that way when I first uh, got into DCS back, like I was saying, what, 2010. But uh, I, I had someone on the ED forum say, hey, come on over to the first, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I was probably just as nervous if I was really getting an airplane the first time I flew with them. Speaking of not liking formation, I couldn't, my station keeping didn't exist. But uh I was hooked after that. Just flying with someone else just adds so much. I will say that the A-10 is probably one of the easier planes to fly formation. And maybe that's because of its speed or something, the large wings. or uh, But I find that that one's much easier than a lot of the other planes for me. Yeah, I think it's a begin a great beginner aircraft in that it's complex enough. You can do some some pretty crazy pretty crazy things with it uh smart munitions etc but you can still also uh use dumb bombs uh to devastating effect and very easy to fly very stable and also very fun to use the gun and uh people beginners uh to dcs world i always recommend that aircraft primarily because it is a little bit slower stable but it's uh Unless you're trying to do some some crazy things, you can learn at your own pace, and it's uh, a little harder to get behind the aircraft compared to uh, some of the faster ones. Yeah, it's a very forgiving aircraft when it comes to the flight model, both in DCS and real world. So for guys that are just learning the A-10, are they shooting themselves in the foot if they don't have the Thrustmaster Hotas for it? Because, 
you know, I know, I know it works like it does in the aircraft. So for guys like running Thrustmaster product, like the T-16,000s and guys running X-52s and these other things, is it even worth it for them to try and learn the aircraft systems without the correct HOTAS? I'd say it's doable. I started with the Logitech 3D Pro, so I had to put on lots of those combos to make it work, and it took a long time to learn them, but it worked. Although when I moved to Hotas, uh, Water Hotas, it's like a completely different world. That's yeah, true. I was going to kind of say the same. I don't think it's impossible, but it sure is easier with the, the actual Warthog Hotas. I know for me, I'm still learning a lot of that stuff too, and the, that has been a huge help. I think if someone's like uh, intimidated by getting into the A-10 and not having a HOTUS Warthog, uh, everything, I mean, you can certainly put the some of the bare minimums on your stick, uh, like TMS and DMS and stuff like that. But but some of the other stuff, you can still absolutely just click on the OSB buttons on the MFDs to get done what you needed to uh, what you need to do. And and don't let that don't let your controls hold you back. Yeah, exactly. I think that. um it's as fun as you want to make it. If you're going to get in your own head and say, well, I can't have fun without this HOTUS, uh, then you're not going to have fun. And I say that because I have seen people, and not specifically the A-10, although I have seen people play the A-10 with all various sorts of setups, I've seen people absolutely destroy other people in air-to-air combat in the F-18 or in uh, you know the F-15 with a keyboard and a mouse. So... <laughs> It's it's as much fun as you want to make it, and I think that that's what matters most. You'll you'll learn it, and you'll deal with it, and you'll figure it out if you're if you're interested in actually playing and just playing. Fun uh, fun fact: I used to I used to play uh, lock on with mouse and keyboard for a good about five years, and you can get pretty good at it. So don't let anything hold you back. Way way back in the day when I first got into DCS and I played on a one of four server, and that that's primarily where I started. I just airquaked all day long. Um, there was a guy, I think his name was Cougar. And uh, we had him in our group. This was back when I was in RVE. We had him in our group for a little bit. And, and I thought, hey, man, this guy's really good, especially at air to air. And then it turned out, I asked him, so what do you use? And he's like, oh, just keyboard and mouse. I was like, I was astounded. Have been smacked by someone using an Xbox 360 controller. Can confirm. Me too. And <laughs> Combs is, Combs is, insane i'm assuming it's the same person yes <laughs> i i've bfm'd him in almost every plane and got absolutely wrecked and i get so pissed because he's on that stupid controller okay let's uh let's let's try this question what is your least favorite thing about the a10 like not specifically to a system or a munition or uh it could be those but like what's your least favorite thing to do or what's your least favorite thing to have have to do have to use oh man yeah, I was gonna say that that's a that's a tough one. I can start it. Air to air refueling. So easy. No. For some <laughs> reason I get fixated on the boom being right in front of my nose and I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I have tried so many times. Um I don't think that is another thing because I think it's like uh, that is something that you just have to keep an eye on the P on the PDL light. Almost like you watch you, you just keep watching the ball when you land on the care on the care carrier. You don't pay you don't see the other thing and you should be fine but again the one thing that i also kind of really really related to re, to refueling is most of the server will have the tanker fly flying at something like 250 knots which make air refueling for all other planes a lot 
harder because they want to make sure the ATN guy can also get gas. But by doing that, all of the other plane who try to refill will be host because they were flying so slow, especially in the F-15 because 250 knot is like, it's almost like stalling Mars, like just going up and down inside the F-15, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a way scripting wise, but I don't, I'm, that's way too detailed for me. But yeah, it'd be nice if something in DCS when you call the tanker, it adjusted to the standard speed for that specific aircraft. That would be amazing. Yeah, I was just going to actually ask. So if, if you guys are making missions for multiplayer, do you include two tankers or do you just have everybody deal with one at a specific altitude? Shoot, we got three in most of our missions in the 476. Yeah, yeah there's at least three in, in ours just because uh, some booms and, and, and baskets and, and enough guys cycle through there that we've run tankers dry. What what um what's the standard speed and altitude that you would use for the A10? I actually saw somebody ask this in the Fighter Pilot podcast uh, Discord, so maybe a good way to get them the answer. Uh, some of mine I've just done like sixteen thousand and uh, like hundred and ninety, hundred ninety five knots, somewhere in there. Maybe it's faster, maybe slower. Yeah, ours are normally around uh, fifteen thousand and right around uh, between. 210 and 220 if i'm remembering off the top of my head awesome i think maybe my least favorite thing about the a10 was stated earlier is just um feel like it has a, a small lack of power but uh i don't know if we'll see any changes there i feel like it got a power boost maybe about a year ago yeah i remember that and you know one of the things i did find the simulator uh at moody was trying i had them load kind of the the standard uh training loadout that i fly in the sim as well to see if I could get speeds to match, but of course you got weather variations and all that stuff from sim to sim, but it was, it was close, but, uh, I don't know. The A-10 is just extremely underpowered virtually and realistically. And there's no like engine changes or modifications between the version we have or the version that they meant to implement back in 2013 or whatever. Uh, and, and what, what you would see in that sim? No, not when it, I mean, there's been, stuff to it but it's more for monitoring data uh than than thrust changes it's basically that the engine on the a10c now is almost exactly the same as it was back in the, the late 70s early 80s when it was rolling off the assembly line that's Sloopy. interesting Sloopy, how would you uh, compare this moody uh sim with the dcs what we have well, the, the biggest thing is, you know, what we have in DCS is kind of a hybrid between a Suite 3 and a Suite 5 uh, A10C, and we're up to Suite 9 now. Um, so, like, HOTAS commands, takeoff, um, coming in, doing overhead brake, landing, flying ILS, stuff like that, pretty much spot on. Um, but it's just the extra sensors, the different things that Dismas can do. Um, you know, right now in DCS to... Um, drop multiple GBU 38s, you are having to cycle through different uh, mark points or different waypoints, depending on how you have it made, uh, set up in the mission. Whereas the A10 now actually can do, you know, pre-planned and drop all of them at the same time and hit, you know, multiple different targets. So it's really just software type issues that, that's different. And so maybe let's speculate a little bit. So what do you guys really predict for this uh, second incarnation of, of A10? Anything from those things, Snoopy, you think? You know, up until Nick uh, 
made the mention of uh, the helmet mounted queuing system in the Green Reapers interview, I didn't really know because their initial uh, news post about it talked about, you know, uh, and, I, and I'm ad-libbing because I don't have it pulled up, but, you know, significant system changes. But then soon after that, Nine Line came and when people were asking and said, you know, don't expect a whole lot. So I don't know. Uh, but just Hemex alone is going to be a, a, a wonderful addition. But to me, if they're, if Hemex really is going to make it into the A10C2, uh, whether it's all the way up to what we have real world and sweet nine or a hybrid, uh, if just my gut feeling is there's probably going to be some pretty cool things, um, that, that the jet currently has that should make it into uh, a 10C2. But again, that's just a guess off of, uh, Nick's interview. That reminds me, in the previous version of the Enemy Within campaign, I mean, the first one that came out as the DLC, I had at one point a discussion between two pilots talking about how come we don't still don't have those nice things that you're talking about. And it was actually recorded by Matt Wagner, the, the voice for that. And somebody found out, I mean, matched the voice to, to the person, and there was a huge dis whole discussion in the forums about uh, that we're going to get it because it was confirmed in the campaign. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I, I remember that uh, because it was talking like the it was I think it was flying in somewhere. It was mentioned about yeah we should be getting the the Hammett modern queuing system upgrade soon, and the, the boards went crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But was talk, Matt recorded that. It was funny to see the reaction. And it was true in the end. It seems to some extent. No, <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah, I have another thing that I don't like about the the I ten is not really about the agent itself but the way that be that people fly it it's like you will always have to jerk just just load out this thing with like like six time maverick and like a lot of cluster bomb and just like going off with full gas and it's like it it just it just looked really goofy to me whenever i see some somebody doing that so sorry about just, that <laughs> four triple eject ejector racks and <laughs> taking 20 minutes to get to 10,000 feet. <clears throat> you know, that is something else that's different in the sim than real world, though, because some of the uh, external weapons that we loaded during my last deployment, we would have to have the jet at 50% gas in order for it to get off the ground. And it basically would immediately go to the tanker. But in DCS, you can pretty much have almost ridiculous amount of external ordnance in full gas and uh it may take the whole runway but uh, but you're normally going to get off yeah, it's mainly just because the density altitude is not really simulated super well in dcs i take it yeah it could be i don't know i think da is actually simulated decently in dcs just you're just way too heavy and you know 90 percent of guys doing even medium range um combat in attack aircraft, take off lightly loaded with the fuel and, and tank right away. I think that's something you don't see, especially in multiplayer, often enough is the need for a tanker. Well, but yeah, definitely PvP. You won't see that as much uh, as to where a co-op. Uh, you certainly would see it a bit more. Well, even in the, the Persian Gulf map with the A-10C, you can take off from Aldafra, easily hit targets in the southern part of Iran and make it all the way back to Aldafra and never have to touch a tanker. Which that might be where that line is between what's fun and what's real. Because, you know, if you got to get up there and you have to go tank twice on the way over, twice on the way back. You know, can you imagine the guys flying B-2s on a Whiteman Air Force Base, bombing in Iraq and Afghanistan, <laughs> like tanking three or four times each direction? Oh, yeah. 
That's probably one of those things that everybody thinks they want to do, and then they realize they don't once they do it. Yeah, I mean, heck, even real world A tens. Whenever we deploy, I mean, they're they're right behind a KC one thirty five or a KC ten, and they're tanking about every hour. Um, the flight time from the Azores down to Moody is about ten hours. So imagine uh, sitting in the most uncomfortable chair you've ever been in, and it's more uncomfortable than that in an Aces two for ten hours. Lordy, here is a dumb question though. If you can actually respawn, reslot in real life, just like in TCS, would you care about tanker? Probably not. Well, then there you go. Because then again, it's like most TCS players don't care about making it back. But real life pilot do. Yeah, I think my favorite thing to do in DCS in any plane is to uh, make it back on fumes. <laughs> I tanked up in the Harrier once with, uh, right when I plugged in, I had 10 pounds of gas left. Oh, man. I wouldn't have tanked. I would have just, I would have just found the glide profile and, and tried. Glide profile in a Harrier is about yes. like an F4. <laughs> a, a rock. <laughs> a very shiny rock. <laughs> like the skipping kind on the lake. You know? That's right. And well, then I would have found a road. Well, awesome, guys. I, uh, I think we can wrap it up there. I really do appreciate all of you showing up for this. And uh, I think it went pretty well. What do you guys think? The Yar. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was good. It, it was really good. Yeah. So we'll uh, do this again until it doesn't go well, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if anybody listening wants to give us some topics for uh, the next community takeover, uh, we can go ahead and take those into account and get some people lined up. Um, I do think it's helpful if we can find somebody who at least is really knowledgeable, um, uh, at, at least one person who knows what more about the topic than uh, everybody else. And I would say that I, I would think that that's Snoopy here. So Snoopy, thank you for uh, showing up and schooling us where we needed to be schooled. Hey, no problem. I'm, I'm good at faking answers. So perfect. <laughs> You've never even looked at an A10, huh? Nope, never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thank you very much. It's been great. Hey, well, your real quick question uh any uh how do you guys like the podcast so far any kind of feedback or things that we could change or um, things that we could do better i've enjoyed every single one um so you know just keep it up really i, I mean as it is it is, it is it is about like one of one of the first like dedicated podcasts to just fly same other thing and i have not seen that that comment at all so yeah keep it up and then keep doing it loving it because it's something that I definitely want to share and talk more but then again it's like there's not something that I have a chance to do so quite so often because I most of the time just standing on my desk doing my own thing not talking to anybody before SRS so it feels that deep void of DCS podcast material mm -hmm. uh, yeah I've, I've talked a couple times about being new I, I, I've really enjoyed the podcast that's been very cool very you know helpful through the process guys if we ever try to do a commercial of our podcast that gray wolves what he just said will be there <laughs> and until it's taken oh, down baby <laughs> <laughs> well awesome thank you guys for the feedback and uh, the kind words we do appreciate it and uh, we do enjoy doing it so we'll continue until until it's not fun or something else happens covid 20 until ed broke another patch 
<laughs> oh boy. Oh. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for another episode. All right. Well, uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, we'll wrap it up and uh, we'll get out of here. Take care. Thanks, guys, for coming. All right. Thank you all. See you later. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions. Well, it's it's no different, I think, in the formation flying community because I, I I don't think it's any different than the combat community where you have the guys who just think they're amazing and don't want to talk to people, and then you have the group of people that want to help others, but you know people just don't know that they're that they're approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons why we get on the AO server. I know it's a nightmare most of the time, but you know it's just you trying to bring in more people that are doing the same thing you're doing and kind of, you know, trying to find other like-minded individuals. And it seems like a lot of the communities are perceived as fairly insular in uh, DCS when maybe they're not, you know, Yep. my, my yep. team included. I mean, there's, you know, there's not, not enough people getting out and, and engaging in the community as, as a whole. Um, but we're, we're trying to, trying to break that um, thought process and, you know, be involved. Real quick, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. And then my, my comment on getting on the AO, the AO server and uh, its perception is whenever I get on there, I, you ever see like a room full of clowns practicing before a show? That's how it feels. <laughs> so it is. It's that bad. It really is.